brother set out on a lifelong quest to brew some root beer and discuss all the controversial topics that plague the root beer community. We're talking root beer radio with you guys who love root beer. Root beer radio, a podcast Welcome back. My name is Dave Redon. And I'm Matthew Holton. And we are Root Beer Radio. That's right. Today's episode, we are brewing our first ever root beer. And we are making the Birch Bark Canoe Root Beer uh, from the Brew Your Own website. Uh, search for it there and brew along with us. Do this at home. We are currently enjoying some dang. Dang but, butterscotch. Butterscotch root beer. Yeah. yeah. Dang that's good. Dang that's good. Now you can yeah. see a little dang that's good on my Instagram root beer review. Dave's root beer review. If you want to search Instagram, uh, Dave's RBR, I think is what it's called. Uh, the hashtag. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, but today's episode takes place in a very special place in Matt's kitchen. That's right. Let's find us there. Cool. Now we're live. two ratio. I'm going to silence my phone. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to use a one to two ratio okay. of boiling liquid and then we're going to cool it down with the remaining uh, liquid. And since we're doing a five gallon batch, I'm going to roughly go off okay. a half gallon. So but to start. right now we're filling the pot. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're adding water uh, to, to my boil kettle here. And we're going to simmer the birch beer extract and the cinnamon stick for 15 minutes. Well, uh, we're going to yeah, simmer that. And then we're going to add our sugar and our honey uh, to that volume. Our sweeteners. And then, yep, our sweeteners. And then we're going to boil that for 15 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're going to boil that for 15 minutes. And then we just need to cool it down, put it to the cacao carbonate. Okay, and so it's a relatively straightforward process. We're using like an actual, you know, like loose leaf ingredients, like like wintergreen or anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would need to boil for a considerably longer time just to extract flavors and other aromatics out of those. So sure. we're going to turn the burner on here, and we're going. Okay, so let's go back. When you said that we're going to boil just a little bit of water right now and yeah. add stuff later. So basically, what we're doing is creating a really concentrated mix. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get uh, concentrated flavors uh, initially. Okay. Um, we could do this with the full volume here, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of heat and energy to you know, boil yeah. five gallons. Mm-hmm. So by doing it in one and a half gallons, that's going to be... One, faster, and then yeah. two, it's going to be easier to control. Okay. That makes sense. Because I, I don't want it to be at a rolling, rolling boil while I have the cinnamon stick in there initially. Why is that? I don't want to burn off too many flavors. Okay. Um, I, I've had this experience with making beer. Uh, my last, I made a chocolate, chocolate milk porter. Oh. Uh, 
one of my last batches of beer, but it didn't turn out nice because I added the uh, baker's chocolate to it at a huge chocolate flavor. It's about 10 minutes into the boil, and now I have the color of chocolate, mm -hmm. but none of the flavor and aroma. Okay, so <laughs> that makes sense. It's, uh, yeah, you can burn off some flavors. And then, then that's a big reason why at Milner's we don't, you know, we don't pasteurize our ciders to prevent oxidation, because anytime you add heat to anything with, you know, volatile aromatic compounds and everything else, you're gonna burn them off. And it's not gonna be as, I don't know, not as pleasant. As robust or? Yeah, you're gonna have much more subdued flavors and even possibly some off aromas and flavors there too. And we want some depth to our flavoring. Very much so. Okay. So two inches of a cinnamon stick. Okay, and then we are also using old fashioned homebrew birch root beer extract. So where did you get this? I got this off Amazon. Okay. <laughs> so, as, uh, as well as the honey, and the honey that we're adding is Crockett Raw Unfiltered Arizona Desert Wildflower Honey. Oh wow, so a little bit of Kyle Rollick in our repair. <laughs> and this is where we run into our first obstacle, courtesy of Bear, Matt's dog. There's, there's some dog here in there. There's a lot of dog here in this oh, one. Sh <laughs> We're starting over here. <laughs> this is what happened. Bear! What have you done? What have you done? So after emptying, sterilizing, and refilling our pot, we are back at it. So we're using this birch root beer extract. Yep. We're using cinnamon and honey. Honey and cane sugar. And cane sugar. So those are our three, yeah. four. Four ingredients. Four ingredients. And uh, the recipe that we're following, Birch Bark Canoe Root Beer, um, came from the Brew Your Own website, okay. um, which is a, a brewer's you know, forum, kind of, I guess. Uh -huh. And it does call for corn sugar instead of uh, uh, cane sugar, but we don't like corn sugar. We don't mess with that. <laughs> so we're going to go cane sugar, and instead of uh, adding ale yeast, for carbonation, I have a keg, and that's how we'll be handling that. And we'll force carbonate it. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Which is something we'll get into this season. <laughs> yeah. Root beer radio. <laughs> Root beer radio. <laughs> this is a this is a fairly unique topic to talk about. It is, but no one else has talked about it, so <laughs> we might as well. I mean, there there's a lot of brewing or beer podcasts that have an episode about root beer. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to bring on uh, both brewers and I guess even winemakers when we're, especially if we're going to be exploring, extracting a mm -hmm. uh, certain flavor potential. Mm -hmm. I think someone like like my boss, John, mm -hmm. would be a pretty good and pretty interesting, you know, expert to bring in. Yeah. Because his wines I quite enjoy. I'm pretty much just the grunt on the, <laughs> yeah. the making side. Well, I would love to try to interview as many brewmasters of root beer as, as possible. Yeah. Uh, I should reach out to the guys at LTD again just because you know, they make they yeah. that root beer that I brought over that um, yeah. like two years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I quite enjoyed what they made and see what they have to say about it. Yeah, and even um, 
Well, at the North Star Soda Company of the Blue Sun Soda Shop. <laughs> I would love to talk to them. And we're lucky here in Minnesota to have so many. There's a lot of root beer near, in Minnesota, yes. Wisconsin. We have 1919 in New Ulm yeah. at Shells. So, yeah. How, who makes Killebrew? Is it Killebrew? Yeah. Like that? They're their own thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe they'd be someone to talk to regarding bottling or packaging because they yeah. have so many different packages. You know, they have the aluminum bottles and they have glass bottles. Mm -hmm. They also have it on tap for some places, but it tastes different. <laughs> Each one tastes different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was looking up, you know, uh, different flavoring agents and things to put into the root beer, it it seemed like there was a, a huge list of. What's that? It's my dishwasher. Oh, nice. <laughs> but uh. Oh yeah, I forgot that microphone over there. But yeah, when I was looking up flavoring agents, mm -hmm. the what you know you have things like you know your winter green, which uh, kind of took place as the main flavoring agent over sassafras root. Um, you have vanilla, ginger, licorice, uh, anise seed, and uh, star anise, mm -hmm. or however you want to pronounce all of that. Let's uh, uh, birch bark, <laughs> juniper berries. You know there there's a, cherry huh. bark. Cherry bark, you yep. know, there's there's all sorts of things that you uh, you can add to it, and mm -hmm. pretty much if you can if you can dream it, you might as well add it. Yeah, you know, it's not gonna, it may not taste the greatest, but kind of the joy of brewing is making tons of mistakes. Yeah, if I've learned anything in my eight years of brewing beer is that you fail for the first ten. Well, that's the, <laughs> that's the best part about, it. and you know the thing is, no one root beer is gonna appeal yep. to everyone except for 1919. That seems to be universally great. <laughs> But no, I would. I haven't I had mean, it in a while. It, I, haven't, well, I haven't had 1919 in a long time. At the state fair, I drank two of those extra large cups. Oh Jesus Christ! Within <laughs> a few hours of each other. I love root beer. Yeah. So in all of my experience and with root beer in the last year and a half, I've just been trying a lot of different craft root beers, yeah. and I think that my favorite flavor combination. Is a combination of licorice and wintergreen. Yeah. The the next batch we make, then we should probably try and get those flavors. Yeah. Definitely punched into here because what we're working with here is uh, more of a what I have to believe is more of a birch bark kind of flavor sure. that we're infusing in. And yeah, I I'm go I like to go when I first start out doing anything I've never done before. I like following a recipe first. Yeah. And from there, I will build my own recipe. Uh, when I first started brewing beer, it was all extract kit kits. And then, sure. you know, I upgraded to all grain and based, you know, did all my all grain recipes based off of other recipes that I found. And then as I learned more and more, I started doing my own thing. And now I'm at a point where if I can see a recipe, I can see already see what I want to have in there and what mm -hmm. I don't want to have in there. Mm -hmm. So. It's, uh, I don't know, eventually you kind of, if you try a billion times or more, you tend to get good at something. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel about when I make food at home. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Just whatever tastes good. Yeah. 
You know, I tried this uh, old Brooklyn root beer mm-hmm. that was very. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was like a a hybrid between a root beer and a birch beer, like yeah. strong flavors of both. So I mean, we'll see. And it was good. It was different. It was the only one I've ever tried that was yeah. like that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get something like that. And for I guess for people who are even concerned about this sort of thing, I'm I'm not because I know what it is. Uh, in a lot of your extracts and for the research I did, you know, before today, uh, a lot of extract kits, propylene glycol, which is in the extract we're using today, is you know a petrochemical. It's considered by many to be used in antifreeze and mm-hmm. uh, Fireball whiskey. Is now banned in several European company uh, uh, countries because, well, it's antifreeze. <laughs> and it, does, it doesn't sound like an amazing thing, but it's it's food safe, which is why it's even in something we're going to consume. <laughs> but it doesn't sound amazing. So if you want to make your own, like, build from scratch, you can avoid that issue. So if you don't want if you don't want to drink antifreeze, probably make from scratch. Yeah, so, and that's what we will do. Yeah, just. This first batch we're doing, we're, we're going to drink a little bit of antifreeze. That's right. <laughs> Why not? And in my experience, the, that propylene glycol uh, adds a lot of body to whatever you're drinking. So it kind of sure. gives you a bigger mouthfeel. And that, that's one way to, to create it. Um, you, you, can, you can get better mouthfeel based on uh, additives that you use. If you, I imagine if you use corn sugar... Yep. You get a little bit more mouthfeel, but we'll see how this one turns out. <laughs> so. I, I really like that term, bigger mouthfeel. Yeah, it's, it's one of those high high society wine uh, uh, words that we use in you know, winemaking. And it, it, it's, it's, you know, you, you've had, you know, root beers or sodas in yeah. general that seem watered down. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, that, that's what I would attribute to mouthfeel. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to start bringing those kind of words to the art of root beer. <laughs> Bigger mouthfeel. Bigger mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. What are you putting in the warm water? Uh, the honey. Oh. To uh, thin it out? Yeah, just so, it's, just so it runs easier and it's going to be a lot easier to add. And it calls for a pound of honey. But uh, I'm going to eyeball it. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Our container is three pounds. Add roughly a third. And then we'll use the cane sugar to sweeten, and we'll be tasting as it's cooling down um, to add the, to get to the desired sweetness level. Sure. Now when we add the carbonation to it, it's going to change that profile a little bit. Um, I'm sure you can tell the difference between a flat soda and a, and a carbonated one. Oh, yeah. Uh, sweetness level there is going to change a little bit. So, like, when it gets carbonated, will the sweetness level go down? Um, yeah. I, that, that's been my general experience, is that your perceived sweetness is less. Um, There's still a lot of sugar. Still, still same a ton of, of sugar. Same amount of sugar. Yeah, same amount of sugar, just... Yeah, it's going to... Your perceived sweetness. Like, some of our wines at work, uh, the more acid you have in the wine, the less sweet it's going to appear to, you know, appear to be. Uh, one of our iced wines, which is made with frozen grapes, uh, that is a dessert-style wine that is meant to be extraordinarily sweet. Um, we make that with a grape variety called Frontenac Gris, and 
Frontenac Gris is a very high acid grape, and since we don't do any other major acid control, you know, processes on it other than cold stabilizing, yeah, there's a ton of acid left in the wine, and that, but the amount of sugar that we have really balances out that high acid profile. So, like when you look at a can of Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. you'll notice that several of the main ingredients in there are acids, mm -hmm. and part of that has to be with you know flavoring agents and you know other things, but. I also have to imagine it's there to help lift flavor and also balance out your, your sweetness. Because sure. a can of Coke has, what, 50-something grams of sugar in it? That's, that's very sweet. Yeah. And, but with the amount of acid that's inside, it doesn't appear to be that way. Now we're almost at the boil. I know I said that four times now. <laughs> kind of spoon do you use? I've, I've got a three foot long stainless steel uh, spoon. Just when I'm trying to stir my grains, I don't want to have my hand inside 150 degree water while I'm trying to move things around. Right. Um, Does so, the, is the stainless steel more sterile than? Yeah, it's, it's easier to, it's easier to sterilize, but it's, it's more of like just a, especially before the boil, I don't really care too much about sterility. It's more uh, just surface clean and making sure that I'm not adding something I don't want into the into the beer. Sure. After the boil is when I become a nut job about sterile conditions. Why? But, Why is that? Well, that, that's where you have your biggest chance of infection because before the boil, like right now, uh, we're boiling water. Before the boil, whatever is going to be in the kettle or into the in the product we're working with. Sure. We boil that. Very few organisms will survive what we're doing to it, and especially in the same thing in brewing. If I am extracting sugar out of my grain at 151 degrees Fahrenheit, not many organisms can survive that temperature. And then sure. to further bring it up to a boil and boil for 90 minutes uh, will kill most things, sterilize most. And then on top of that, you know, it's a high sugar environment with some acid. Osmotic pressure on the cell plus you know, low pH environment. A lot of organisms don't like that so much, but when you start bringing it down, you have your temperature range between 110 degrees Fahrenheit and to whatever you finish at is what I would consider a very serious infection zone. Okay. And for me as a brewer, I want to pitch my yeast strain as fast as possible because the yeast strains I'm using in beer might not be super aggressive. And if I have a wild yeast strain somewhere in either my house or outside that comes in and touches my beer, there's a chance that that yeast strain or bacteria will take off and outcompete the yeast strain I want. Mm. But typically that's not the way it works. Okay. Um, I've never had a, an infection issue on my own beer, but I've, I've seen it happen in other people's. Yeah. Now, I wonder if I'm ever even going to hit a rolling boil here, because I have a lot of surface area for all that heat to escape on the sides. I'm going to add the cinnamon stick now. Are you sure? Well, no, I'm going to add it at precisely noon. <laughs> Give it a couple more minutes to get up the temp. 
This is very good. You know, the taste hangs around for a while, too, which is awesome. Yeah. I feel like I just brushed my teeth. <laughs> Do you have a root beer flavored to uh, toothpaste? It's actually wintergreen flavored, so okay. it does. <laughs> One morning it dawned on me that my toothpaste tastes like root beer, and <laughs> I've been brushing my teeth eight times a day ever since. It might help with the amount of soda <laughs> that both of us consume. You don't know me. <laughs> cinnamon has been added. The cinnamon is in. Cinnamon. Today I'm not sure if I was expecting it to float. Is it floating? Well, no, it's, it's on the bottom, and I'm up right over where I have the direct heat, so I'm not sure if it's going to be a problem with it's scorching on the bottom of the kettle. Well, it looks like it's being lifted by the bubbles. Yeah, it might have like a small... Well, we'll see. When it hydrates, it might float. Who yeah. knows? Well, you know, they say nothing ever truly touches. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> How do we sterilize this keg? I'm going to use hot water. Hot water, plus with a sanitizer called One Step, the no rinse sanitizer, although I personally rinse with it, it cleans with ozone, the thing that prevents us from all getting ridiculous amounts of cancer. So by doing this, we're <laughs> saving the world. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, let's pitch it that way. Okay. And I need to add, I think it's one tablespoon per gallon. So I'm just going to add... How many gallons is your... This is a, I think it's a six gallon capacity keg, but I only ever really put five to five and a half in. Okay. So there's going to be a headspace that we're going to have to sparge or uh, displace the air with CO2 when we carbonate. Yeah, one and a half, so I'm pretty sure I have more than a gallon in there. Okay, the lid is on. sanitizer solution in there and I'm going to pump that solution through our siphon hose for when we transfer from the boil kettle to the keg. So we're sterilizing the hose now. Yep. And the pump. Anything that's going to touch the root beer after the boil is going to get sterilized. As we continue on our prep we discuss the ingredients of our extract. Yeah. In, in this extract it says it has uh, gum, acacia, Water natural, I can't even pronounce that. Quirin? I'm not even going to attempt it anymore. Uh, citric acid, red color, and the natural and uh, imitation flavors. Isn't that everything at that point? Uh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if uh, you can really, uh, that might be it to me. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. that's the uh, sassafras root that they're, the imitation flavors. Yeah. Because I know you can buy sassafras root or sassafras root extract with the saffron removed. I don't know. I'd, I'd personally be willing to risk any potential carcinogen. Yeah. You can buy it off eBay. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'm a 
nearly a 27 year old American and I'm, and I'm immortal. I'm immortal. So it's <laughs> America. America. Drinking arguably one of the most American drinks. Rupi. Yeah. This uh, past summer, a Hungarian uh, student came over and spent the summer uh, at, with uh, my boss's family and kind of helped out at the winery here and there. And one of the funny things I thought was that, you know, apparently over in Europe, root beer isn't well liked because that sarsaparilla or sassafras flavor is using a lot of medicine. Oh. So for like a lot of people who don't like cherry flavoring. Sure. Because cherry flavoring is using a lot of our medicines here. Wow. You know, for them, if they drink root beer, it's like drinking medicine. It's gross. That's but well, that's that, really interesting. Yeah, that, that could be part of the reason why you don't see that many root beers over in Europe. It's crazy to me that I guess root beer has just been such a staple of our of my life, anyways. And yeah. living in Wisconsin, there is oh, there's a lot of root beer coming out of Wisconsin. Yeah, a lot of good root beer, and it's. Amazing to me that they don't have root beer readily available in other countries or even throughout our country. Mm -hmm. When I lived in Ohio, you had to go to a specialty shop that would import beers from anywhere. Hey there. And they had a lot of root beer that I had never tried before. So it was great, but no, nowhere else in town, nowhere else in, in, yeah. in the city. You know, there was a Menards, so we got some Spreckers, but... But like you could still find like A and W and yeah, uh, you know stuff in the store. But all the big box root beers. Yeah, big box root beer. I like that. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that we went to the same grocery store separately. Yeah. We each picked up four bottles, and even my local grocery store had a selection where we didn't repeat on accident. Right. You know, like I, I thought like when you when when I saw that you came in with a couple of bottles today, it was like, oh, did we double up on something? No. And so there's there's at least eight different varieties of root beer that were available that weren't yeah. like Barks or A and W or and there's two more at yeah. that store that we've already tried that yeah that, that's that's get. a good point yeah it's it's awesome you know <laughs> you're lucky to have that jubilee in this town mm -hmm. uh, in yeah. in Monticello where I live we have a running store that has a nice selection yeah. they don't have the buy you know two for three dollars deal yeah that you can buy single bottles but. Lunds and Byerly's has the same thing, and uh, it's so awesome. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of exciting to see all these specialty sodas, uh, you know, kind of coming out because, you know, my entire life I've been drinking Mountain Dew and Pepsi and Coke, and I kind of thought that was, you know, all there was to the soda world. And sure, there's a lot of a lot to choose from. Yeah. But it's kind of like you can choose a lot of different types of beer too. Exactly. Now we're almost done with the boil here, and the water is starting to turn a nice golden tan. Yeah, like almost like a copper. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, copper. A copper color. So the only thing that's in the water now is that cinnamon stick. And after this, we're going to add the extract, the sugar, and the honey. This is all going to be by taste um, and kind of approximation. So our recipe here calls for one pound of honey. I'm not going to measure that. I'm just going to eyeball it. Okay. Now, the water has gone down to just above one Oh, just above one gallon, because you lose, you do lose some volume during boil, and from it's very apparent from what we're seeing right now, <laughs> there's a lot of steam coming off because it's a huge, huge surface area for the water to dissipate from. And it doesn't even look like I have a rolling boil, but I can tell that it is. Yeah. So about a pound of honey, 
Recipe calls for three and a half pounds of corn sugar. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that, and I have no idea what the equivalent would be in dried cane sugar. I'm gonna add four cups, and we're gonna taste it, and see if we need to go further. And we also have that, the four ounces of the birch beer extract, per recommended by the uh, recipe that we have here from Brew Your Own. So I'm gonna take it off the heat now. I'm gonna leave that cinnamon stick in there. So now I'm adding the birch beer extract. Actually, no, I'm gonna add the honey first. I'm adding the honey first because I don't want to scorch any of the any of the extract here. So it's three pounds, three pounds of honey. I'm adding roughly one, making sure that honey is all nice and dissolved. Mm. Smells nice. I'm getting mostly the cinnamon uh, and the aroma right now. Sure. Can definitely tell that there's honey in there. All right, now I'm gonna start adding some sugar. Okay. Before I add an uh, extract, because based on my experience brewing, the uh, just having really hot liquids can really denature a lot of your your flavor and aroma compounds. And if the birch beer extract is the chief contributor of flavor, I want to retain as much of that as I can. So I've added four, I think, if I can count right. Four cups of sugar. Four cups of sugar okay. have been got, have gone in. Now I'm going to add some water. All right. How are we doing? We are just above five gallons, which is perfect. So we are good, because. It's going to shrink a little, adding the extract, and now I can't even see the cinnamon stick. Nice deep color. Yeah. Yeah, this has, oh, the aroma on it's pretty rich. Oh, wow. But we'll add more water to that, right? No, we are, we are done with the water. We're done? This is it? This is five gallons right here. This is our brew. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now, I still have the cinnamon stick in there, okay. and I'm just going to fish it out at the end. Um, but now we're going to do some tasting here. Woo! So we're, we're doing some tasting to decide if we need more or less. Well, no, we can't do less, but we, if we need more sugar, now is the time to decide. What about water? What if we need more water? Do you think? Um, that's not likely going to be the you sure. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Definitely more sugar. Yeah. It has some sweetness, but it's hard to detect. Yes, it is. That's the ticket right there. Yeah, that, that is good. Oh. All right, so while it's still hot, well, it's still, it's still warm. 
Yeah. Hot enough for me not to worry about the... Everything is sterile. So. Our tubes are in both the pot and the keg. And auto siphon. It, it just siphons. It's, you just pop it once and it goes. Yeah. Yeah, because oh there's more potential more potential energy up here. And right. it kind of just pulls it down. Now it's going to take a few minutes for it to go through. And we're going to be left with a cinnamon stick in the bottom. And any sugar I didn't manage to get turned in. <laughs> but you can it's kind of interesting you can kind of see some of the oil from uh, the oils that are in the extract here flowing on the top yeah so this is exciting sure it's filling up mm -hmm. how long does it take for this it might take uh, five to ten minutes okay um, just because I have to move five gallons through a hose this small <laughs> when you have to pee a lot. Yeah. Pee for five minutes. Can you imagine having to try to pee five gallons? And after a little while, our root beer is in the keg, ready to be carbonated. So it's in the keg. Okay. Um, pressurizing. It's a little full. So I've never actually had it this full. Okay. So. Somehow we might have actually ended up with more than I thought we could have. Huh. But, uh, you feel it. It's still crazy hot. Yeah, it is. Um, so I kind of want to leave it, give it another five minutes or so to hold up this temperature. Because if, if there was anything inside the keg, I wanted to kind of cook a little. <laughs> and, you know, kind of denature. Right. Um. And then it's going to take several hours for it to cool down anyway. Um, but I've I've sparged the headspace, so while gas is going in, I kept pulling this little ring here and letting air out. Um, so we're getting oxygen off the top of the the keg. Yeah. The inside, yeah. And so we're not going to have any oxidations. Well, there might be some oxidation. You can't completely prevent it, but. If I left that, you know, a little bit of headspace, it's gonna over time spoil. Okay. It's like the same thing with beer and wine. If you have oxygen sitting on top, it's gonna kind of yeah make it not fun. Hmm. But I'm gonna let it sit there for a little bit longer, and uh, yeah, we're kind of done. <laughs> we're done brewing. <laughs> took less than uh, took less than 45 minutes. That's awesome. From the time we started boiling till the time we finished. And there you have it. We are finished with our root beer. And right now it is carbonating in my fridge in the garage. Yeah. And in three to four days, we should be carbonated enough for us to taste for sure. But our preliminary taste was pretty tasty. That was really good. That yeah. Very sweet and very, I, the depth of the, it was really good. I, the whole house smells amazing at does. the moment. <laughs> Upstairs even, the whole yeah. house. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, three to four days, it'll be going into bottle and ready to enjoy. So after we bottle it, then what? Then we drink it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Maybe we have a giveaway at the next episode. Maybe we give away a couple bottles. We can do that. For the listeners. <laughs> so, that's another episode. Mm -hmm. For now, 
I'm Matthew Holton. And I'm Dave Verdon. And this is Root Beer Radio. Two brothers set out on a lifelong quest to brew some root beer and discuss all the controversial topics that plague the root beer community. We're talking root beer radio with two guys who love root beer. 